Let's open our Bibles to the 51st Psalm this morning, Psalm 51. We'll read through this chapter and dive right in this morning. Psalm 51, if you have your Bibles this morning. Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned. And done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me known to wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear the joy of gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach the transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God. Thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou desirest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with a burnt offering and the whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thy altar. Let's pray together. <coughs> Father, we love you, and Lord, we do thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love for us. Lord, as we study this passage this morning, God, I pray that you would help us. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us individually, God, to examine ourselves, Lord, to Lord, look to the fact that we can live in your grace, and God, we can be forgiven, Lord, we can confess, we can repent, and we can be restored, Lord, when we mess up. And God, I pray that you would teach us this morning. God, I pray that you would help us like only you can. God, I thank you for each individual that's here this morning. Lord, may we learn, may we be encouraged through your word. God, you've been so good to us. And Lord, we, we praise you for that. Lord, I thank you for the wonderful music this morning. Lord, I thank you, Lord, just for what you've already done in my heart. God, bless everything that's said and done on this property today. We'll be careful to give you the glory, the praise, and the honor. You're precious in your holy name we pray. Amen. David um, was born in the house of Jesse to the tribe of Judah. He was the youngest of eight sons. First Samuel chapter number 16, as we've been studying really for the last three and a half years on Sunday nights, we're almost done with it. Um, but David was anointed king in chapter number 16. As a shepherd boy, if you remember chapter number 17, he ended up killing a bear and a lion. He ends up killing that Philistine giant, um, Goliath, he, uh, after that he becomes the musical main musician for King Saul. He meets and marries a young lady named Abigail. 
And around at 30 years of age, he becomes the king of Judah. And just a seven and a half years after that, he ends up becoming the king of not only Judah, but of all Israel. King David saw some awesome victories in his life. However, I believe one of the greatest victories is one that we don't talk about a, a whole lot. It wasn't the killing of the bear, and it wasn't the killing of the lion, and it wasn't the killing of Goliath. It wasn't becoming king. I believe the greatest victory in David's life is what's recorded in Psalm 51. Man, what he wrote. In Psalm 51. If you remember with me, part of David's life, he's known for a lot of great things, but th- there, there's some things that so often we remember David by that happened in, 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 in a time when he was supposed to be at war, many have said, and he stayed back. Y'all remember the story in 2 Samuel chapter number 11 and 2 Samuel chapter number 12. This psalm was penned immediately after 2 Samuel chapter number 12. And it was springtime, verse number 1 of chapter number 11, that would say if we were to go there. It was springtime, and Joab and all the men were out at battle. And it says this, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. And uh, it was afternoon time, and he ended up, it was early evening, afternoon. He ends up going for a walk, y'all remember the story, on his roof. And he sees a lady named Bathsheba, who the Word of God says she was bathing. And it says he didn't just see her, but the the original language means he gazed upon her. It was a second look. It wasn't just a quick look and turning away. He ends up inquiring about her. He calls for her. Y'all remember? She ends up coming coming over. They end up uh, committing adultery together. Man, the Bible says she was very beautiful. The Bible uh, says uh, that we, we understand this was Uriah's wife, who was one of David's uh, main men, if you will, one of his top generals. So Bathsheba comes over. They're intimate together. David uh, acted on that lust that, that, that he had in his heart and in his mind. And he ends up uh, sleeping with, Uriah, with, with, with Bathsheba. She goes back home. It comes to find out over some time that she's pregnant. So here, David's got a major problem, doesn't he? I mean, he's got a major issue here. I mean, he's got Bathsheba, who's not his wife, Abigail, and now she's expecting his child while his friend Uriah is away at battle. So he's got to start, he goes into kind of panic mode. He's got to fix the situation, all right? So what he ends up doing is he ends up calling for Uriah to come back. He, he, he calls for Uriah to come back from ba- battle and ends up uh, bringing him home. He ends up getting him drunk and hoping that he'll go back to sleep and to stay with his wife Bathsheba. But Uriah, being the man of honor that he was, ends up telling David that, hey, I can't, I can't go home and party. I've, I'm going to sleep at your door because you're my king and I'm loyal and there's a battle going on. So David's got a major problem again. So he ends up writing a letter to Joab, he sends this letter to Joab basically saying, hey, I want you to put Uriah on the front lines, which wouldn't have been normal in these circumstances because Uriah was more of that leader, he was more of that general. The reason that he wanted to put him on that front lines is because he had to take care of a problem, and he ends up having Uriah killed. Man, David, uh, this sin that started with just a look, just a thought ends up going so much further. And let me just say this, man, that's what sin does to us so often. Man, it may seem like it's something small, but how many times have you found out in your life it always leads to something bigger? I have. Man, it always leads to more problems, more pain, more heartache. David and Bathsheba end up after Uriah uh, is killed. David and Bathsheba end up getting married together. They end up having a son 2 Samuel chapter number 11 says this, And when the morning was past, David sent 
and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done, it displeased the Lord. 2 Samuel chapter number 12, the story goes on. God sends a prophet, if you remember, to David. And it was a man named Nathan. Nathan confronts him. And here's the greatest victory of David's life. Not the bear, not the lion, not becoming king, not killing Goliath. Y'all listen to me. The greatest victory in his life is what he did when he had, when he had sin in front of him and behind him. He repented and he was restored. It's the greatest victory that can happen in any of our lives. It wasn't him killing the lion. It wasn't him killing the bear. It wasn't him killing Goliath. It wasn't him becoming king. It's how he responds when he's confronted with sin. 2 Samuel 12, 13 says this. David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Aren't you thankful for that? And thou shalt not die. Can I just tell you this morning, this is the good news of the gospel. Failure is not final this morning in your life. Failure is not final. It doesn't have to be final. You see, David couldn't get away from the earthly consequences, if you know the story. I mean, he, he, he couldn't, but, but, but you know what he could do? He could embrace the grace of God through confession, through repentance, through worship, and through restoration. So what do we do when we have sinned? What do we do when we have fallen? That's a good question, isn't it? Man, because all of us, you may be sitting here this morning, and you may be saying, I don't have no sin. Uh, I'm talking to you. Because pride could be worse than adultery many times. Listen, I want to talk about this, because I think it's important. What do we do when we sin, man? Like, how do we get past it? The guilt, the judgment from others. Man, how do we work through, man, when we mess up? All has sin. All of our sins may not be the same sins, but all of our sins may not have the same earthly consequences. However, we need to determine and to decide when we sin to live in God's grace. Now, that does not mean we continue to live in that sin. Man, we've got to overcome it. So how do we do that? Man, David's sin, what were they? They were adultery, betrayal. Murder, and those are some pretty big sins. Now, most of us, and some of us have committed some of those, I'm sure. So how do we get past it? Maybe you haven't committed one of those, but let me give you some. How about maybe some of our sins, maybe substance addiction. Maybe you're here this morning, and your, your sin that you struggle with every day is porn. You say, why are you even talking about that in church, preacher? Because statistics tell us that 50%, if not more, of men and women sitting in this room struggle with it in some way. So how do we work through it? Maybe your sin this morning is spending in credit card addiction. I'm not trying to be funny. That's something that people struggle with. Man, they try to fulfill something by spending and getting and gaining. Maybe your sin this morning is gossip. I've heard one preacher say gossip's destroyed more churches than adultery ever has. Gossip. Maybe that's your sin this morning. Maybe this morning it's bitterness or unforgiveness. You see, we like to hear preaching against the adultery. We like to hear preaching against those things we don't struggle with. But what about unforgiveness? What about bitterness? What about maybe social media addiction? Trying to live your life and portray it as something it's not and being jealous of other people not portraying what reality really is. Maybe that's your sin. You're just sucked into it every day. Maybe your sin is lying. 
to yourself and to God this morning. Maybe your sin is covetousness, always wanting uh, uh, you know, what others have. Maybe it's lust, and I just don't mean in the sexual way. Maybe it's lust. Lust is this. It's not just sexual. Lust is wanting anything else, anyone else, or anywhere else. Maybe that's what you struggle with this morning. Maybe this morning it's pride is the sin that you struggle with. Maybe you're lazy, and that's the sin you struggle with. Here's the point. Out of the list I just gave us, many of us would fall into one of those categories. A sin that we struggle with. Anger. Maybe you have uncontrolled anger. Man, we, get, we go on and on. The point is we all have it. We all deal with it. We all mess up. We all fall. We all do stupid stuff. And, you know, now, some sins, the earthly consequences is worse than other sins. Does that make sense to everybody? There's some sins that there are going to be consequences on earth that we're going to deal with. David dealt with some major ones. His son ended up dying. His other two sons ended up being idiots. One of them raped and there was incest and there was craziness and trying to overthrow. Those were earthly consequences possibly um, because of his sin. Either way, here's the thing. When David penned Psalm 51 after Nathan had confronted him, he gives us some insight, I believe, Something that can help every one of us so that we don't live in that place of sin. So that we can bounce back. Don't y'all like a good comeback story? Man, don't y'all like when you see somebody who's down and they're able to claw their way out and come back? I love that, man. I love watching some. And here's the thing. When we're in sin, all of us have a decision to make. We can either live there for the rest of our lives, or we can do what we're about to learn in Psalm 51. I want to look at some things in Psalm 51. This is an awesome passage. I want to just work through this text, and then I want to give you three things from it that I believe can help us. Look at verse number one. This is David writing after all that. Look what he says after Nathan confronted him. By the way, be thankful for friends that confront you. None of us like confrontation, but we all need it. And here's the thing. We find out who we are when someone says, hey, get your stuff together, man. By the way, that's what a real friend will do. They won't sit by and just watch you make a disaster of your life. Man, they will, they will tell you. They will warn you. And they will say, listen, I love you, but have you ever thought about this? Look at verse number one. This is him writing to God. First thing he says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Notice these next couple words. Wash me. You know what our sin does to us and what it does to me? It makes us feel dirty, doesn't it? That's what he's saying, God, wash me, cleanse me. Like, God, I'm, I feel dirty because of this. And we're going to see how you don't have to. At the end, we're going to work through this. And I want to tell you, you don't have to feel that way this morning. David's saying this, God, I've been through some things. Man, I did some stupid. This wasn't just stupid. This was terrible. Murder, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Adultery, pretty big deal. It says, man, my sin makes me feel dirty. Look at another consequence. Look at verse number three. For I acknowledge my transgressions. Notice these words, and my sin is ever before me. Listen, if we don't deal with it, guess what's going to happen? It's going to be before us all the time. Man, when I don't confess my sin, what ends up happening is it haunts me. The devil will say things to me like this, you're not good enough. Remember that time, and you fill in the blank. And let me just say this, we all have them. I mean, I've, I can't tell you how many times I've sat in that chair right there right before it's time for me to walk up. And I hear that little voice in my head say, Jake, what are you doing? You ain't good enough. 
I can't tell you how many times getting ready to worship or to preach and you, Satan starts playing memories that I wish I could go back and erase in my head. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here that I can never get rid of? He says this, man, it's forever before me. But I want to tell you this, it doesn't have to be. doesn't have to be. Look at verse number 7. Here he is again. He says, man, it makes me feel dirty. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. David was working through that process of feeling guilty like we all have. Man, David was washing through that process of feeling unclean like we all have. Man, it makes me, listen, it makes me feel dirty. Look what else it makes me feel. Look at verse number 8. Make me to hear joy and gladness at the bones which thou have broken may rejoice. It makes me lose my joy unconfessed sin in my life, y'all, it makes me lose my joy. It makes me miserable. Man, I, I play it over and over in my mind. Man, and I, if I haven't given it to God, and man, I play it, and man, I just simply don't have joy. Man, it affects my mind. It affects my joy. It makes me depressed and sad. Look at verse number 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. It affects my heart. It messes with my spirit. Man, he, he goes on to say this in verse number, uh, verse number 11. Look at verse number 11. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord, and renew not my Holy Spirit from me. It makes me think that God will do things that he will never do. He's not going to cast you out. He's not going to remove his spirit from you. It messes up my perspective. Man, when I have unconfessed sin, I start thinking that everybody's out to get me. <laughs> Man, I start thinking and I start seeing, it's kind of like this, it's kind of like a kid that sees the shadows in the room and they're scared to death. When I haven't given that thing and I haven't gotten that right to God, it makes me see things from the wrong perspective. Look at verse number 12. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Man, it also, listen, it makes me lose the joy in the Lord that he wants me to have. It makes me not enjoy salvation. Listen, it, it gives me a bad spirit towards others, myself, church, worship. It, listen, it makes me miserable. That's what happens. And by the way, if that's what sin does to you, that's good news because that means you're saved by the grace of God. Look at the next one. Look at, look at verse number uh, 14. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, the God of my salvation. My tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. Listen, that guilt ends up living in my head. Now, none of us want to live there, do we? Man, and we all have. You're not alone here this morning. If you think, man, I, I, I've lived there, and man, I've got some stuff in my life that I haven't confessed, and I just want to state this so off, so quickly. If you're here this morning and you think you don't struggle, this, is your, this sermon's for you more than it is for the one that we know they're public sin about. Just telling you. Because those of us that know that we have some stupid stuff we've done, we know it, and we know it, and we can get help. It's those of us that don't know it, okay, that need to be aware this morning. So what do I do? Like, what do I do when I mess up? What do I do when I fall? What do I do when I go back to that sin that I struggle with over and over again? Can God still use me is a good question. I've asked that question before. Can God still use me? And I've done this terrible thing. Can God still use me? You know, as Baptists and as conservatives, we're so quick to disqualify. We're so quick not to give second chances but how do we get that second chance how do we become qualified I mean how do we get back when we've done something stupid man I've had those times in my life where I've just done dumb stuff and man it lived in my head and it lived in my heart and I just felt like I couldn't have any peace 
may not have been on the scale of David. But he gives us in this text what to do when I sin. Man, we can learn from David's greatest victory. And his greatest victory is found here in Psalm 51, verses 1 through 9. The first thing that we've got to do, y'all, when we fall and when we mess up, listen, we have to confess. Number one, confession. Man, we've got to come broken. And we've got to say, God, I know that not everybody else is the problem. It's not my spouse that's the problem. It's not the other church members that's the problem. It's not my boss that's the problem. It's not my kids that are the problem. It's not what's coming to my life that's the problem. It's me that's the problem. And I've got to get honest with myself and with God. That's what David does here. Now, David, you you think David was scared to go into the presence of God? I would have been. I just had my friend killed. I got his wife pregnant. Is everybody, I mean, this was a big deal. Verses 1 through 9, look what he says. He confesses. He's honest with God. He says, oh God, have mercy upon me. You know what he's saying there? I don't, I don't deserve your grace. See, what happens to us after we've been in church a little while, we've been saying, we start thinking we deserve his grace. We don't deserve his grace. Man, it's his love. Grace is something we do not deserve. He says, look at this. According to thy loving kindness, wash me and cleanse me. We've got to, listen, if we're going to get past it, we've got to get honest with ourselves and with God. Look at verse 3 if you don't believe me. For I acknowledge my transgression. You know what he's saying, church? I know that I sinned. Now, if you're like me, guess what we try to do? Y'all may be way more spiritual than me. When I sin and I know it, I try to justify it. Anybody else like me this morning? Can we just be honest? I try to work it through in my head why it's all right. I mean, I try to justify that sin. You know what David, after this terrible thing, says, God, I know that I've sinned. And I wonder how many of us this morning, we've been holding on to something. We just need to get honest. And we just admit, God, I'm sorry. God, I acknowledge that I had this thing. God, I just want to acknowledge it. You've heard me say this before, confession. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And I've talked about this. Why do we got to confess? He already knows about it, right? You know what God taught me one time? He's like, Jacob, you idiot. God and mom call me Jacob. Somebody help me this morning. You know, you know, you know what confession's for? It's not for him. It's for me. I've got to get honest with myself. And I've got to get honest with him. And it's hard. Because we like to lie to ourselves. We like to justify. We must confess our sin. David goes into the presence of God and he says this, I acknowledge my transgression. I have not just sinned against the kingdom. I have not just sinned against my family. This is where it gets hard. I have sinned against you, God, and I bring it before you. I confess and I'm honest and I'm open in your presence. He says, I confess it with you. I wonder if any of us this morning... Need to just come to God and be honest with ourselves. Say, God, I want to give this to you. I'm tired of lying to myself, and I'm tired of lying to you. I'm going to confess this to you. Can I just give you some good news of the glorious gospel this morning? His forgiveness isn't like earthly forgiveness. His forgiveness isn't like family forgiveness. His forgiveness isn't like spouse forgiveness and child forgiveness and earthly forgiveness. Oh, I'm just telling you this morning, his forgiveness, oh my goodness, it's unconditional. He loves you. He's not mad at you. The whole world may be mad at you. 
Your spouse this morning may be mad at you. Your family may be disappointed in you. But the moment, it doesn't negate the earthly consequences. But the moment that we come home, the moment that the prodigal runs down that road, hey, daddy is already out on the porch looking for us to put on that best ring, to put on the best robe, to throw a party. And I wonder how many of us for years have been sitting in church and we've never just gotten it right and confessed to him. Can I just tell you, today, guys, Man, give it to him. Confess. He loves you this morning. He's not mad at you. He's not condemning you. If you're saved this morning, when he looks at you, he sees his imputed righteousness. He sees Jesus. He sees the lamb. He sees the blood applied. Oh, my goodness. He don't even see it this morning. He's separated as far as the east is for the west. And some of us are paying sin for sin that he paid for 2,000 years ago. Get over what others are saying. Trust what he says. Hey, get over what some critical person says. Gag a maggot this morning. Who gives a flip? It's only by God's grace that any of us are right this morning. Man, I used to wake up and feel like, oh, this person says this about me, and that person says this. It's a great day in my life when I just stop caring because I know what he says about me. If I'm saved this morning, he says you're a son and you're a daughter and he loves you and you're a joint heir this morning. He's not done with you. Y'all listen to me, church. He's not done with you yet. If there's breath in your lungs this morning, God has a plan and he has a purpose and it's not time to back up and it's not time to turn around. It's time to move forward in his grace and in his love, but it starts by confession. Second thing that he does, it wasn't just confession. Look at verse number 10. This is hard. Create. In me, a clean heart, oh God. And renew a right spirit within me. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed that prayer. God created me a clean heart. And until he creates that clean heart, my spirit's going to be messed up. I'm not going to have the right spirit. God, I need you to create that clean heart in me. You know what he's saying here? Not only is it confession, but the second thing is it's repentance. It's repentance repentance. Hey, turn from it. Listen to me. Turn from it. Run from it. Stop it. Put the boundaries that you need to put in your life to keep you from going back to that hog pen or to that place. I mean, you ever have a sin where you just keep returning to? I have. It's like Paul says in Romans 7, you don't want to do it, and what do you do? Man, I've got to put the things in place so that I can change. Practical things. Man, if you struggle with the internet, guess what? If you really want to change it, guess what you're going to do? Figure out a way to get some accountability. Man, if you struggle with addiction, guess what you're going to do? Get some help. Go to rehab. Get some a church family accountability. Man, if you struggle with, with whatever it is in your mind, listen, true repentance, it's not enough just to ask forgiveness. We've got to repent. What I do, what I find myself doing, I'll confess, but then I go right back to it. That's not what repentance is. It's turning from us. It's setting up boundaries. It's this word, being broken and being humble about it. Saying, God, I've got to turn from this. And I wonder if our sin breaks us. Now, David's didn't break him till what? Till Nathan called him out. Once Nathan gave that prophecy and called him out, what did David say? Man, I better get my stuff together. You're right. I've not just sinned against you and the kingdom. I've sinned against God. I've got to turn around. I've got to move forward. Listen, it takes repentance this morning. I wonder if this morning some of us just need to turn from it. We just need to stop it. We just need to set boundaries. Here's the last one, verses 14 through 17. If we confess and we repent, here's the good news. What David ends up doing here is there's worship and there's restoration. 
There's worship and there's restoration. There's worship and there's restoration. Listen, confession and repentance leads to worship and restoration. David's greatest victory, listen, is what he did after his greatest defeat. He knew he was the problem. I want you to think with me here. He was broken. When's the last time you just got broken about something in your life? He was humble. You know, pride many times, y'all, keeps me from confessing my sin. I mean, the other day, I got a little short with my daughter. Anybody else ever done that? Man, in the heat of the moment, we're in the driveway, and I just got angry, and I shouldn't have. And I'll tell you, I had the conviction of Almighty God was all over me. I'm talking about where I was like, you're an idiot, man. Felt guilty. Man, I felt like, what are you doing? Man, that's a gift that I've given you, and you're talking like that to her when you should be showing grace and love because he's shown so much grace. It takes a humility to say these words. I'm, let's try it together. It's been a long time. I'm sorry. Sometimes we just need to go to somebody. Say, you know what, man? <laughs> sorry, I messed up. Spiritual person, you know what they're going to say? Man, I forgave you a long time ago. I'm sorry. I wonder how many of us as husbands need to go to our wives. Say, baby, I'm sorry. Been a long time. Hey, he was broken. He was humble. He confessed. He repented and he worshiped. Listen, listen to me this morning, church. We're done. We can either allow our failures to define us or our response to our failures to define us. One old preacher said it this way. I love this. You may not, you may get knocked down, but that doesn't mean that you were knocked out. Get up, man. A just man falls seven times. But you know what he does? He gets up again. Over and over. You don't have to win every round to win the fight. You ever felt like you lost a round? Man, sometimes it's hard to get back in the ring, isn't it? Man, sometimes it's hard to get back after it. Man, it's hard, but can I just tell you, get back in the ring this morning. Confess and repent. God wants to use you. Confess and be honest with yourself and God. Repent, turn from it, worship, embrace His grace, and start living in it. He loves you. Listen to me, church. He loves you. He's not done with you. He wants to use you. Listen, God, y'all listen to me. God has a plan for you. We must embrace it. And it may start this morning by you confessing and you repenting and you worshiping and you being and restored but if there's breath in your lungs I'm just telling you and you're saved and the Holy Spirit indwells you church listen to me I don't care what your past says I don't care what anybody else says God doesn't care he's got a plan and he's got a purpose hey just hang on and keep going I'm just telling him he wants to use you this morning God wants to use you more than you want to be used it's amazing to think about this morning I wonder how many of us today just need to at our seat or at this altar and I know we don't have to come to an altar. Sometimes we just need to make an altar right there in our seat. We just need to confess and say, God, I'm sorry. We need to repent. We need to turn from it and allow him to restore. Listen, God, and I'm just saying the people that I've known that God's used greatly have always been broken greatly before they're ever used greatly. I'm just telling you. There's a humility about it. There's a brokenness that comes from it. But that's why grace is so sweet this morning. Man, just thinking about what God listen David went on guess who ends up being born out of the line of David I wonder hey I wonder if David ever sat there said you know what I wonder if it's worth it I wonder if I just take my own life I've already killed my friend man I've already 
committed this adultery. My sons died. My other two boys, are, they're nuts, man. They're raising havoc all over the land. I wonder if it's really worth it. And God says to David, yes, there's some consequences. And yes, it's been hard and it hasn't been easy. But I love you and I want to use you. And I have a plan for you. And church, God has a plan for you this morning. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're going through. But God is not done with you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's stand to our feet. The altar's open this morning. You can pray at your seat. Man, I just want to encourage you to give it to him this morning. Matt, sing.